welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Amen. Well, hey, good morning uh, again. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday. We had such a great time, and I know that many people encountered Jesus, and, and, and some for the first time. And so we're just so thankful for all that God is doing in our midst Now, today is what's traditionally known as the second Sunday of Easter. Here at the Vine, we follow the church calendar, and and traditionally, the church has taken actually an entire season to celebrate Easter because this is such a big deal. And I just, I just love that. I just love that. I didn't experience that growing up, so I just love this this tradition and this practice. Now, what's interesting is that if you were to study the accounts of what happened after Jesus' resurrection, you will find that it took the disciples time to really come to grips with what happened through Christ's resurrection and what that meant for their lives. And I think really the same is no different for us, that it actually takes us time to really come to grips for how Jesus' resurrection impacts our lives. And so that's what we're focusing on in this season. Now, if you've ever wondered why Jesus came, why he went through everything he went through in his earthly ministry, why he went to the cross and, and, and went through the resurrection, the answer is in the verse we read just a moment ago from John chapter 10, verse 10. And Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus' resurrection, it's all about life. And Jesus came to bring life. The problem, however, is that I think so many of us are just existing. (laughs) We're, We're just existing. What's interesting is that in the Greek, there are actually two words that can be translated for life. One is bios, which is like biological life. You're just kind of existing. The other word is zoe, which is like, this is life, the kind of, that we're talking about here. If you've ever had one of those moments, you're like, ah, oh, this is living. That's what we're talking about. The sense of life filled with meaning and, and, and purpose and, and satisfaction and fulfillment. That's what Jesus came to offer. Now, if we're honest, probably some of us are like, that's awesome, but it just, it sounds almost too good to be true. Some of us have been in like a desert season for so long, it's hard to believe this promise, but I just want you to hear that this is a promise from God for you. Don't count yourself out. It is for you. Will you receive that today? And you need to understand that Jesus didn't die on the cross and, and, and raise from the dead so that we could just have a new religion or a new belief system or even a new faith. He, he died on the cross and he rose again so that we could know life through him and in him. So Jesus came to bring life and, and, and to be life and, and, and many of us encountered that last Sunday and, uh, on Easter and some even for the first time and, and, and you're thinking, you know, this is awesome, but then... Monday happens, right? And you wake up and you kind of wake up to your, in many ways, it's like the same problems and the same issues and the same challenges. And so it's kind of like, wow, what, what, what's going on here? What you need to know is that this life that Jesus offers, it is free, it is a gift, but it is not automatic, This is actually something you will have to contend for in your life. This is something you're going to have to press into if you want to experience this and grow in this in your life. 
And, and this life that he offers, it's not just kind of an outside-in thing about changing your circumstances. It's actually an inside-out thing. He wants to do something in you by your encounter and your experience of him that will change you, and therefore that will lead to the life we're talking about. So, so how, do we, how do we grow in this? Well, I want to look at this passage from John chapter 10, but I actually want to rewind a bit to what Jesus tells just before this promise we've been talking about. And if you have a Bible with you, can, you can meet me in, in John chapter 10, verse 1. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screens. And so in verse 1 of John 10, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, he's talking to the religious leaders here. He says, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Then in verse six, it says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. See, they were not a sheep, so they didn't recognize his voice. Going on, it says, he used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Verse seven, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, and so he's going to come at this from kind of a different angle now, I am the gate for the sheep. Verse eight, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, in order to understand what Jesus is telling us in uh, this passage, we have to realize uh, that what came before this in chapter nine is that people are trying to figure out who Jesus is. So this parable is in part an answer to that question. And, and, and so in response to that, Jesus, he, he tells us parable and, and he starts by, by telling us that he is the shepherd and, and that we are the sheep. Now, if, if you haven't studied the Bible, you might not realize this, but this image of, of a shepherd with his sheep, this is very often in the Bible an image of the king with his people. And, and in, in the Bible, uh, the ideal king is actually pictured as, as a shepherd, probably modeled on, on this idea of David, who was kind of the shepherd boy, who became the king after God's own heart. And so we're being told that Jesus is is actually king, that he's king of kings and lord of lords, and and that we are his people, we are his sheep. And another thing that this actually tells us is that if we are sheep, that means that we are intended to rely on him. Because if you know anything about sheep and shepherds, that the sheep, they're they're, they're kind of helpless animals, to be honest. I grew up in a farming background, so sheep are kind of helpless. So the shepherd kind of has to do almost everything for them. So this means this is kind of an image of dependence, that we are to rely on Jesus, that we are to depend on him. And Jesus also, he highlights here that that sheep have this unique uh, ability. It's actually amazing. They have this unique ability to, uh, to recognize, to identify, to know their shepherd's voice. And so what would often happen is that the, the, the sheep would be gathered in, in a sheep pen and the shepherds would sit on the outside, you know, so they can kind of protect the sheep and, and kind of care for them. And, and the shepherds would, when it was time to leave, they would speak to the sheep and the sheep would actually hear the voice of their shepherd and they would go to their shepherd. 
It's this remarkable thing. So Jesus says, okay, I'm the shepherd and you're the sheep, but the people who are listening, they, they, they don't totally get it. And so he says, okay, let, let me try this again. Let me come at this from a different angle. He says, I am the door. I am the gate. Now, now what's interesting is that Jesus changes his metaphor in the middle of his metaphor. And so if you've studied literature, you, you've been probably taught that this is like, this is like a big no-no, right? You just don't do this. But, you know, because you're like, you know, Jesus, are you the shepherd or are you the door? Like, like which is it? Uh, you can't be both, uh, but it's almost as Jesus says, no, I'm God. I can be both. Stay with me. <laughs> So he's the shepherd leading us through the door, but he's also the door. And if you pass through him, he says, if you enter into me, if you pass through me, you'll come on the other side alive. Now, I want to point out that Jesus says he is the door. Notice this. He's not just a door. He is the door. And before I started following Jesus, I tried lots of other doors and they, some of them looked good on the outside, but they all ended up just as dead ends. Jesus is saying, I'm not just a door, I am the door. If you want to find life, it comes through me. That's what he's saying. And then he uses this beautiful image in verse nine. He says, you'll come in and go out and find pasture. You'll come into these green pastures, this kind of these wide open spaces. And what this is, this is an image of freedom and of security and of being nourished spiritually by God. And Jesus is saying, that's, that's what I want to lead you into. Now in verse 10, just before the promise we opened with Jesus, he makes kind of an ominous statement and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so Jesus, he draws this contrast between what he has come to do to give you life and what the thief has come to do to steal life from you. And and I don't know if you realize this, but there is actually a thief who is trying to steal your life from you. There really is, and, and I, I, I think so often we're unaware of this, and that is really the worst kind of thievery. I remember one time uh, when I was in high school, um, just to share candidly, I'd been getting high that day, and I, uh, you know, these sorts of things, you know, they're of course, uh, do wonders for your motivation, so uh, I went home to take a nap, uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I'd never done this before, but this day when I parked my car in the garage, I left my wallet in the car, I left my ID in the car, I left my beloved CD collection. That's back when CDs meant a lot. These were not just coasters, like these, this is like my life. And uh, my jacket, I mean, everything that mattered most to me was in my car and unlocked. Now, it was in my family's garage, so there's this illusion of safety and, and, and security. So I, I went inside, I walked up the stairs to my bedroom, which was right above the garage. Laid down, fell asleep, oblivious to what would happen moments later. And somewhere in the span of a few hours, someone or someones actually broke the window of the family truck that was in the driveway, and there just happened to be the garage remote in there. So they just press the button, garage door goes up, and all they have to do is walk in, open the door to my car. It's just unlocked. It's all right there. And they steal everything that matters most to me. My money, my ID, my everything, everything. And and all the while I was asleep, just completely unaware of that which mattered most to me was being stolen right from under my nose. And I just can't help but wonder if this is an image for some of us today. 
I, I just can't help but wonder if, if the enemy is just trying to just rob you blind and you don't even know it. You don't even realize it. And so often this happens. But he is trying to steal your life. He's trying to steal your hope. He's trying to steal your meaning, your sense of direction in life. He's trying to steal your relationships, your trust in God. And Jesus is saying you need to be aware of this, that there is a thief and in John 8, 44, Jesus actually identifies this thief with the devil. And he is real and he wants to take you out and to steal as much from you as he can. That is his MO. He's come to rob and steal and kill, Jesus says. And therefore, that means that we need to know how he comes at us. If we are gonna hold on to and press into this life that Jesus calls us into. We need to know how he operates and his strategy. And I came across something by... Uh, Erwin McManus on this passage, he makes this great observation that the same way that God comes to us to try to give us life is actually the same way that the enemy tries to come to us to steal life from us, but in reverse. So let me kind of unpack this idea. So let me read actually, read verses three through eight again. Jesus says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, referring to the shepherd Jesus, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. What's Jesus trying to tell us? Let's look at verses seven through eight. It says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. You see, the strategy of the thief to steal your life is to become the voice that informs your life. And I wonder how many voices are inside of you right now telling you and trying to, uh, you know, who you are and trying to drown out the voice of God telling you who he created you to be. See, what you need to understand is there's actually a war going on each of us. Uh, And it's a war of conflicting Voices, voices of, of telling us who we're not or what we can't be or uh, who God isn't, or what reality is. And all of those voices, if we allow them, they can begin to shape and form our lives and they will steal life from you. And so Jesus says, I've come to give you life. But so often I, I, I think we don't connect these dots. He's come to give us life. Now, one of the main ways Jesus comes actually to give us life is by being the voice that that actually speaks to our souls and tells us who we are, tells us who God is, tells us what life is about, because the voice of God, you need to hear this, it is life. So let me just ask you, what voice are you listening to? What voice are you listening to? Now, what's amazing is that as I, I think back on my life, there have been far too many times when I've I've heard uh, God's commands, I've heard God tell me something and, and I've avoided it and it's like I've bristled against it as though God were trying to steal life from me rather than trying to give me life. How, how often do we do that? But I want you to know that God wants to give you life and one of the main ways he does it is that he speaks to you and he calls you to life. Have you ever been on the cusp of doing something like really stupid? And like you hear this voice like, no, no. Like, don't go down that path. Like, that's not God being uptight. That's God trying to lead you into life. And I don't know why we just, like, we distrust him so much. But he wants to lead us into life. That is, he's a good God. He has life for you. That is why he came. That is why he came. 
Now, I want you to know that the life we're talking about here, it's not just a moment in time. Sometimes we can reduce the Christian life to just a moment in time. You know, I kind of crossed the goal line of faith. Well, that's so important. But the point of that is not to end there. The point is that that's actually just the beginning of a journey, a journey with Jesus. This is about a life with God. And God is speaking to us and he's trying to bring us into life. Now, on the other hand, Jesus tells us that there is this thief who comes to steal and he also comes to speak into your life, but he's trying to steal it from you. Now, now sometimes, uh, so how does he work? So sometimes the, this thief speaks to us directly. If you read uh, the account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, that the, the thief came at Jesus directly, and that can happen. Um, so often, that's, that's subtle. You have to understand that he's not going to announce, I am the uh, enemy of your soul, and I am here to uh, give you an insidious lie that I want you to believe. I mean, it's not, that's not how... He comes at you, right? So you actually, one of the goals of the Christian life is actually to grow in discernment of sorting out the different voices in your life. That is, that is one of the really important goals of the Christian life, to learn, wait, what's that voice? Wait, what's that voice? And uh, I could share so many stories on this. I remember one time when I went through a really hard depression. It was, I, I, I was so low. I didn't realize it at the time until I was on the other side of it, but I was actually under an intense spiritual attack. And there'd be like these thoughts, like these despairing thoughts, like your life will never be the same. You will never make it out of this. Just like this, these hopeless despairing thoughts. And one time a professor friend prayed for me. And after he did, it's like these, these thoughts lifted. I'm like, oh, that's what that was. That wasn't me. That wasn't God. That was the enemy trying to steal my life. And sometimes you just, you have to learn to recognize so you can sort that out. You really need to learn to recognize. So sometimes he comes at us directly. Sometimes, now this is amazing. Sometimes the thief actually comes to us through other people, even people who love us. One of the most fascinating to me and shocking passages in scripture is, is when uh, Jesus is telling his, his, his closest friends uh, that he's going to the cross and that he has to. And Peter, who, who loves him, one of, one of his closest friends who'd become one of the central leaders in the church, Peter rebukes Jesus. He says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Do you know what Jesus says in response to that? Get behind me, Satan. See, sometimes, actually, the, uh, the enemy attacks us through other people, even people who otherwise love us, and they just don't even realize what's going on. So we really need to learn to discern the voices that are coming at us. So the enemy, he can, the thief, he can try to steal from us directly. He can try to speak to us through other people. But the danger is that if you don't learn to really recognize these voices for what they are and take them captive, they can just start to bounce around in your head, in your heart, in your mind, and eventually they will exercise influence over you and lead you away from the path of life. And that's really how the human race got off the rails. And so I want to briefly kind of take us back to how this whole story began in Genesis uh, and uh, the dynamic we're talking about goes all the way back to the very beginning. And, and so you probably know the story, you know, in the very beginning, God created the man and, and the woman, created them in the garden. They were naked and un- unashamed, just this beautiful thing. And God put two trees at the center of the garden. One was the tree of life, because that's what God wants to lead us into. Uh, the other tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, because that's where we chose to sever our relationship from God. We chose to move from life to death. And, and then there's all these other trees where God just says, eat freely. It's just this image of abundance. It's beautiful. And fast forward to uh, Genesis 3, after 
the woman was ha- had this conversation with the snake, and I once heard someone point out now how, how boring or insensitive or something must Adam have been so that she found a conversation with the snake more interesting than a conversation with him. I don't know. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> So she has a conversation with the snake and she eats from the wrong tree and she she gives the fruit to the man and and the whole universe just falls apart. And in Genesis chapter three, verse eight, it says, then the man and his wife, after the severing of life, and, and, and by the way, God wants you to realize that what happened here was not just a severing in their relationship with God, but they really lost the source of life itself. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment because I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of us are probably you know, thinking like, you know, like what, what are you talking about, you know, hearing the voice of God? Like, what does that even mean? And, and you might not even be able to imagine that, but I, I want you just to, to see that everything that Jesus is talking about here assumes that you can, that God speaks and that we can hear and, and I, so I think the question is not so much does God speak, I think the question is are we listening? Are we listening? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice, I call them out. They, they follow my voice. They, they will not follow someone else's voice because that's not the voice of life. And so Jesus, he, 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 he knows that we're designed to hear the voice of God. We're actually designed to live in communion with the creator of the universe. And we see that in this passage uh, in Genesis, uh, and, and, and so it says that they, they, they heard the sound of the Lord God as so he was walking uh, in the garden. Now, now think about this. What kind of intimacy must they have had with God that they could hear and perceive the sound of God walking toward them before he even spoke a word? Think about that. This, what an amazing intimacy that speaks to that, that they experienced and that we are created for. They knew what that sounded like. It says, then the man and his, and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And then it takes a turn here and says, and they hid. They hid. And this is the first time they, they heard God and they hid. Now before this, they, they would hear God and they, they would run to him. But now for the first time, they, they heard God and, and, and now they're hiding from God. It says, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And now rather than using the gifts of God as something to celebrate and enjoy, they're using the gifts of God to hide from the presence of God. And then in verse nine, it says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, like what's going on with that question? Well, you have to know, God, he's, he's all-knowing. He's what we call omniscient. So this is not a, a question-seeking information. It's not like his GPS broke. He's like, hey, uh, where are you guys? I lost you. Hey, I can't find you. This is not what's going on here. I think he's trying to help them see, like, like how did you get here? How did you get to someplace without me? How is it possible that you are there hiding from me when I am the source of your life? And he wants nothing for you but life. Where are you? How did you get there? And I think there are probably some of us here today and God just thinking, where, where, where are you? How did you get there? You were created a journey with me. You cannot live without me. Where are you? Then in verse 10, the man answers and he answered, I, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Now, now those two concepts of hearing God and, and, and being afraid, those, those are actually never meant to go together. 
Those are never meant to go together. And, and, and so if we are afraid of God like this, then, then we just, we don't, we don't get who he is. He is a loving God. He's a good God who wants nothing but life for us. And when we hear his voice, he wants us to be filled with hope and joy and thanksgiving because he has nothing but life for us. And so I think God's like, wait a second, you know, like, wait. Again, there, you know, because Adam says, you know, I, I heard you and I was afraid because I was naked. Now, I think God's probably thinking, seriously? Like, were, were you not naked the whole time? And did, did, I, did I have a problem with that? No. But, but something, something happened. Something happened. The man says, I was naked and so I hid. Now, what happens next is fascinating. And if I were God, this is not the question I would have asked. I would have probably asked, like, what were you thinking? Why would you let this conversation with the snake just lead you to just throw away everything? To walk away from me? What? I mean, these are the kind of questions I would probably have. But God has this amazing question. When Adam says, I heard you in the garden, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Listen to this. This is what God says. Who told you that you were naked? You see that. And I think what he's getting at is, 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 you know, what voice have you allowed to inform your life, to tell you who you are outside of me? What voice have you been listening to? And you can just, you know, you can just, I think you just can kind of hear God. Like, did I ever tell you that you were naked? Again, did, I, did I ever have a problem with that, you know? But they allowed some other voice to tell them and inform their life. And, and this is really when everything fell apart. Because God knew that for the first time that their life uh, was really being determined by some other voice at this point. And, and so I just, I just have to wonder for us, like, what, what voice is shaping you today? Like what voice is really, uh, really the loudest in your life right now? And, and what voices do you need to renounce and reject? The Bible talks about taking every thought captive. What, what voices are there that, that you need to really just take captive and, and, and renounce and reject? It might be a voice of despair. I shared an example earlier, you know, of these, this kind of these thoughts I had like, oh, you know, this thing will never be the same. Your life is over. It might be a voice of condemnation, like, oh, you messed up so bad. You could never be forgiven. It might be a voice of lies about God that how can you trust him? He hasn't come through for you. How can you trust him? You better take matters into your own hands. We can have all these different voices coming at us and that's the thief and again, his goal is to steal life and so Jesus wants us to silence those voices to to take those thoughts captive because he wants to lead us into life. Now briefly before closing, I wanna connect this to another passage of scripture. This is uh, what Hebrews tells us in uh, Hebrews chapter three, Verses seven and eight, it said, so as the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit says, and again, here's this image of God speaking, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. And so God is speaking uh, in the original context to the people of Israel uh, as they wandered in the wilderness and God was trying to teach them that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it says, do not harden your hearts as you did in the wilderness, if you hear his voice. Then now it's interesting, this keeps getting repeated. So Hebrews 3 5, verse 15 again says, as has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Fast forward again, verse, uh, chapter four, verse seven. God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David. Isn't the passage already quoted? And here it is again. Today, if you hear his voice, 
do not harden your hearts. Now, I, I know sometimes the Bible, there are some passages that can be really difficult to understand. Let me just break this down real quick. So when it says today, what that means is today. <laughs> this one's pretty straightforward, right? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So God is speaking and he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. And, and actually, uh, the, the scriptures say that even creation itself is like declaring God's glory. It's actually like shouting at us to get our attention, to see that God is the source of all that is good and true and beautiful. But then God whispers in just the stillness of a moment and the spirit speaks and he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I, I had a good friend in college, and when we first met, he was like the most hardened atheist I'd, I'd ever met. He was an atheist. He just didn't want to talk about it. And eventually, God got a hold of my life. I started following Jesus, and uh, so he saw that change in my life. So that kind of got his attention. Uh, and over the years, we had lots of conversations, and uh, uh, one, one, one moment, there was sort of, sort of a turning point in his life. I, uh, when I was a student at Cal Poly, I organized something called the Veritas Forum, and this was sort of uh, an outreach where we, we brought in some of the world's top Christian scholars, and they sort of made a case for Jesus in the context of their discipline. So this friend, I invited him, and he, he went to so many of the different events. And at the end of the week, this is actually miraculous if you know his story, absolutely miraculous. He said, it's all true. I now know it's all true. Jesus rose from the dead. He became convinced of that just based on the evidence. Uh, hosted a conversation between two top academics, one atheist, one Christian. And he said, it, it, it's all true. Jesus rose from the dead, therefore, it's all true. But he went on to say, I'm not sure if I want to become a Christian. And I just so appreciate his honesty. But as we were talking, I felt like God brought this scripture to mind. I said, I'm not going to tell you something about my friend. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, what this tells us is that one, God is a God who speaks. He's speaking to you, he's speaking to me, but also secondly, he gives us a choice. He wants life for us, but he will not force it on us. Sometimes it's like, I don't know, we just, we go a different direction. We go a different direction, but Jesus is saying, choose life. Choose life today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. My friend, he was at this threshold of faith, you see, but he was, he was hesitating. Now, in this passage in Hebrews, it goes on to say that when, when they harden their hearts, that, that their ears actually became dull of hearing. Now, so this is what can happen when God speaks to you. Again, we have a choice. Are we going to listen or not? Or are we going to harden our hearts? And I think that if you do that, if you kind of harden your heart over and over and over, eventually it's like you start to lose your hearing. It's like you start to lose your ability to hear his voice. And sometimes I have people ask me, uh, you know, why, why can't I hear God's voice? And this isn't the only answer. This can be a complex thing. I can't get into like a systematic answer. But sometimes I said, did you do the last thing he told you to do? Sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> and so sometimes it's like when, he, when we don't listen, it's like he's like, okay, how can I give you the next thing if you haven't listened to what I already told you? Why, why, why would he do that? It's like we're still, I'm still waiting over here. <laughs> so the invitation is to listen to his voice and to respond. And, and, and perhaps some of us here today, we're in that position where it feels like we've lost some of our hearing. But do you hear God speaking to you today? What, and what, what is he saying to you? Will you listen? Will you respond? Because that is the path that leads 
to life. Now, as we wrap up, I'll just invite the band to come back up. And uh, God can speak to us in lots and lots of different ways. He can speak to us directly. You know, we can have that still, small voice, which is just kind of like a thought for me. It's usually very still and very small. It can we see in the Bible things like dreams and impressions in lots of different ways. We can, he can also speak to us through other people. He can speak through creation. He can speak through circumstances. But the most clear and most authoritative way he speaks to us is, is through the Holy Scriptures. And, and, and this is what uh, the Scriptures tell us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Listen to this. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes uh, of the heart. And, and, and you may remember that when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness and, 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 and the thief tempted him and said, hey, why don't you take these stones and, 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 and turn them into bread? And Jesus responded by saying that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, what Jesus is saying there is that the words of my father are life. The voice of my father is life. And even if he had turned those stones into bread in the moment, they might have kind of satisfied some temporary kind of superficial desire, but there would have been no life in it because God speaks life. And there's no life apart from him. And some of you, perhaps you haven't really discovered the power of the scriptures. And if you're here today, if you don't have a Bible in a readable translation, we have some Bibles on our info table in the hallway. We would love to offer those to you just as our gift to you. Now, sometimes you might have a Bible, but it's just as it was for me many years, uh, it just kind of sat on a shelf, kind of collecting dust. And sometimes that's because we don't know where to start. Or we don't have a plan. And so if you would benefit from having some sort of plan, we would love to email you something. And so if you just fill out a connect card and with your email and write Bible plan on it, we would love to send you some sample Bible plans just to give you some tracks to run on. There's no one way to go about this, but know that our, our heart is really to resource you in, in this journey. Um, but really the reason that God gives us the scriptures, not just so we'll memorize stuff and have lots of facts, uh, but really that so that really our soul can be postured and oriented toward him so that when we hear his voice, that we can know that and that we can live. I just want to close this morning with a quote from N.T. Wright, who's a brilliant Christian scholar, commenting on this. He says, the call today is to listen for his voice and to find in him and him alone the life which is overflowing life indeed. That's the call. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? So Lord, we thank you, God, that you are God who speaks. And I just pray you'd be speaking to us today, God. And we thank you that you have life for us, God. Would you, for those who've maybe started to despair, I, I pray that you would lift that, God, and you'd renew hope that you have life for us in you, in Jesus Christ. Lord, we just offer ourselves to you afresh. In Jesus' name.